Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 143. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about a decision I made to let go of the Mr. Norm Grand Spalding Dodge tribute truck. I know what you're thinking. Here he goes again, getting rid of all his stuff, because I'm also selling the dumpster fire. I am keeping the van, <laughs> I will say that. But uh, I'm going to explain my reasoning of why I decided to let go of what I've always said was my dream truck. And I have my reasons. And I know a lot of people disagree with those reasons, but they're not in my shoes. And they don't live my life. And they don't share my same goals and dreams. I understand that truck is badass. But I assure you that it has gone to a good home and that... I made a really good deal happen, and it's probably the best deal I'll ever get in my entire life, to be honest with you, um, but, uh, you know, I thought I would have more regret about letting go of the Mr. Norm truck, but, you know, I don't. I've been sleeping really well, <laughs> and um, I just feel like I made the right decision, and I I've been thinking about this for a while uh, to actually get rid of the truck. Um, or, or potentially get rid of the truck. It wasn't a for sure thing when I put it up for sale or trade. I was kind of testing the waters. So we're going to talk about what happened before I threw it up for sale, what was going through my mind, what happened when I put it up for sale or trade, the offers that I got, and what deal actually happened, and why I am so stoked about it. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter. Your direct connection to all things Mopar. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I have to ask you guys a question. Is your Mopar protected? Whether it's sitting outside in the elements or inside the safe confines of your man cave, it's important to keep your Mopar protected. That's why I'm excited to announce that I'm now affiliated with a company offering an amazing solution for vehicle protection. They have everything from basic indoor shields all the way up to the top of the line platinum shields offering the very best protection to keep your Mopar safe, both indoors and outdoors, from elements like dust, water, snow, and yes, even UV rays. Their products are guaranteed to fit and are backed by a great warranty. To find out more about my new affiliate, please visit TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and follow the link to their website. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't worry, we got you covered. Most of you know the story. Back in 2015, I was at the Good Guys show in Puyallup, Washington, and I just happened to see in the show field the Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge tribute truck built by my friend Murray. And I fell in love with it. I actually thought it was a real Mr. Norm's truck. But <laughs> as it turns out, it was a very well-done tribute, and I absolutely fell in love with it, fell in love with Tin Girl Dodge trucks, and you know, set out on a journey to get myself a tin grill. 
and I ended up getting a little blue 76 short bed slant six in it um, on air ride suspension. Um, I was originally looking for a muscle truck, but I saw that truck and it looked so cool that I ended up buying it. So that was my first foray into tin grills. And I always told myself that if I could ever find a way to buy the Mr. Norm tribute truck, I would because it's my dream truck. After looking at the truck, I realized I, I had a vision when I looked at it and that vision came true. You know, to make a long story short, I ended up getting the money together and let's see here. Murray owned it, a gentleman named Neil, and then I got it from the guy that Neil sold it to. And the truck was in Canada. So I ended up tracking it down and I bought my dream truck. I paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> you know, in the world of tin grills, I paid a lot of money. But I don't even know if I ever mentioned this. When I went to buy that truck, you know, it was a cold call. I asked Neil who bought the truck. He gave me a name, told me that the guy owned a business in Canada. So I tracked down the business, got the guy's name, got the guy's phone number, and I called him, cold called him about the truck and basically said, hey, are you the guy with the Mr. Norm tribute truck? And he's like, you know, how'd you get the number, blah, blah, blah. And... You know, I knew the ball was in his court and I said, you know, all right, how much to buy it? Because he was, he told me that he was getting ready to paint it. He was going to paint all the white of the truck to get rid of all the coolest parts of it. You know, the, the tribute to Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge. And I couldn't let that happen. I love that truck so much. I had, I had this weird emotional attachment to it and I can't explain it because I didn't even build it. But when I saw it back in July of 2015, it just moved me. And, you know, it's weird. Uh, for me, cars, trucks, vans, I have to be moved emotionally by something to buy it. And it might just be as simple as looking at a car and just getting a vision for what I want it to be. Or a truck and getting that vision of what I want it to be. And that's what I had with the Mr. Norm truck. And, you know, I told I told the guy I bought it from, I said, all right, name your price. <laughs> And truth be told, I was ready. And this is no joke. I had $26,000. And I was ready to pay $26,000 to get that truck. Because not only did I want it for personal reasons, but I thought it would be a great promotional tool for the podcast and the Mopar Hunter. And uh, it, it did what I needed it to do. I bought the truck. Um... I didn't pay $26,000, but I paid a lot of money for it. And, you know, I was so content with the purchase. And, you know, the truck was everything that I wanted it to be. And I had a great time with it. I actually came full circle with the truck because just last year in 2021, I took it back to the Good Guys show. And I got to cruise it around. Uh, I entered it in the show. And... It was amazing. And I felt like I had come full circle because, you know, I have a young daughter. Her name's Sage and she's three. And I, I had a chance to cruise around that amazing show with my daughter, Sage, and my wife as a family in the truck. And, and my, my friend Paul was there, too. Um, it was a great time. And, you know, I really did feel like I had come full circle at that point. And I've taken the truck to other shows, too. 
had a great time with it. Um, never won an award with it. Um, you know, but uh, every time I take that truck out or every time I had taken that truck out, I, I would always get looks and, uh, conversations would get started. It was a great truck. And I, I love that kind of stuff. I don't mind when people approach me about my vehicles. I think that's fun. And, you know, it's one of those things where the novelty of the truck was starting to dwindle a little bit for me. Um, I still love the truck. It's still my dream truck, even though I don't have it anymore. That's right. I, I got rid of it. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that part of the story. But uh, it's still my dream truck. You know, and not too many people get a chance to say they owned their dream vehicle. Um, and that's the thing. It was my dream truck. That's what you have to understand when you don't understand why I would get rid of it. Um, I'm a car guy, first and foremost. Always have been, always will be. Trucks just hold a special place in my heart. And that truck in particular held a very special place in my heart. And it still does. Um, it's just, it was so well done. Murray is just a visionary <laughs> when it comes to vehicles. And uh, me and him are like simpatico because I would have never dreamt up the Mr. Norm truck. But once I saw it, I realized that it was what I would deem to be perfection for a tribute. And, you know, once the novelty had died off a little bit and I was like, all right, you know, there's some improvements I want to make on this truck, blah, blah, blah. You know, I started thinking about my life a little bit and where it's going and how much work I put into, you know, growing the Mopar Hunter and turning it into talking Mopars. And one thing has always remained in the back of my mind because while Mr. Norm was my dream truck, I have a legitimate dream car. You know, people throw around the term, you know, dream car, dream truck, dream vehicle of any kind. And when I say the Mr. Norm truck is my dream truck, I say that because I, I couldn't have dreamt up a cooler truck in my head. But the thing is, is that I have a dream car. And that's a wing car. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I have literally, I don't even know if I'd consider them nightmares. My phone has been, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that. My phone's been going off since I've been posting about getting rid of the truck and then making this trade deal, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, I have been haunted <laughs> in my dreams by a wing car. Superbirds of all sorts of different colors. I find them. Um, I make a deal on them. <laughs> so, you know, without getting too involved in, you know, what happens in my dreams, um, my dream car is a, a wing car specifically a Superbird. And that's why I changed the artwork for the podcast to an orange, a vitamin C Plymouth Superbird on Craigers, because that's my, you know, the Craigers is like a guarantee if I ever get a Superbird. Um, the color, I'm pretty open to the color, but I wouldn't mind an orange car. And, you know, that's, that's my dream car. And the Mr. Norm truck so the way, the way it worked in my head is one day it just, it just dawned on me. You know, when I, I think about my mom dying this year and other relatives that I've lost recently in the past few years and other people, you know, dying, <laughs> you know, getting sick, you know, life is short. 
you never know. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I know I've said that before on this podcast, talking about, uh, I believe, the death of my Uncle Ray. You know, and, uh, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed, folks. So my mindset had shifted. And I was trying to figure out how I could get a Superbird <laughs> quicker, you know, because I'm a, I'm a quick satisfaction type of guy. You know, I don't like to wait for things. I'm impatient. I'm impulsive and impatient. That's me. And, you know, I started kicking around the idea of, you know, how I could get my hands on a Superbird. And reality hit me. They are expensive. You're talking about six-figure cars if you want a nice driver-quality Superbird. And if you want something that's amazing, you're spending well over $100,000. And that's just money that I don't have. And I don't know if I'm ever going to have the kind of money like that to spend on a car. You know, that's just me being brutally honest with not only you guys, but myself. So I thought, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad about having a clone. I wouldn't be mad about having a tribute. Hell, I've been driving around the Mr. Norm truck, and that's a tribute. And uh, I, I'm the type of guy where if I had a, a, a perfect, pristine Superbird, a legitimate Superbird, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be wanting to... I talk a big game about, oh, I drive it all the time. Yeah, man. <laughs> sure you would. You know, some of those cars are half a million dollars. Some of them over a million. So I had to be real with myself and go, look, dude, even if you did have the money to get a Superbird, how often would you actually drive it? You know, so then it opened my mind to the possibility of a tribute or a clone or a recreation. So I started looking for 70 satellites, Belvedere's, and hopefully Roadrunners. I was really looking for a Roadrunner. And I found a, a handful of them in the country that would that would work. Um, the only problem was I don't have the cash to get any of those cars. Because they are getting expensive like second gen chargers. You know, go find a 70 Roadrunner. You know, go see what those projects are going for. They're pretty expensive. And like I said, uh, I'm impatient. And the thought of tomorrow not being guaranteed really told me I got to do whatever I can to get my hands on a 70 Roadrunner so I can make this happen. And uh, it's funny because I didn't even end up <laughs> with a 70 Roadrunner, nor did I obviously end up with a Superbird. But uh, it led me down an interesting road where I finally, I finally became open to the idea because I've been kicking it around a little bit. You know, I can't sit here and bullshit you. <laughs> I've been kicking around the idea of, you know, if I sold the truck, how much could I get and what could I get with that money? Because the money that I get would have to buy something that is as cool and moves me emotionally just as much as the Mr. Norm truck did. And that's not going to be easy, you know? Um, so I was kicking the idea around and I was like, you know, what's, what's it going to hurt? And every time I put the truck up for sale, you know, it's almost been, it's been half joking. And then I always end up pulling it down because in my head, you know, I'm, I, I'm a very, very cheap SOB, <laughs> you know what I mean? But when it comes to my stuff, I set values on my stuff. And I know it's super, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's wrong of me on one hand, because here I look at cars and I'm like, oh, I'd give them half of that, or I'd offer them half of that. I'm a low baller, notorious low baller, no guilt. Because if, if you don't like my offer, then shoot me what it would take to buy the car and we'll go from there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, 
when I set values on things, I expect to be lowballed. Um, and I, I had been kicking it around like, what would it take? How much money would it take to get me to let go of my dream truck? And the number, the number that I actually came up with was as much as I was willing to pay for that truck when I bought it. And that's $26,000. Somebody may have been able to pry it out of my hands for 25. So I posted it for 30. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Oh, notorious low baller posting his shit for high. <laughs> you know, oh, of course. Right. And it, I know nobody was going to give me $30,000 for that truck. Let's be realistic here. Um, was I realistic in, in setting the price? No, no, not at all. But, um, I set it at 30,000, hoping I could see some low balls in the, you know, 10 to $15,000 range, because that's what I was expecting. And I wouldn't have sold it for that. It would have taken $25,000 minimum. And that's prying at me. I probably would have held out. And if in six months it didn't sell and somebody offered me 25, maybe I'd take 25 for it. Or maybe I'd just keep the truck. That's the thing. I was in a position where if I had to keep the truck because nobody wanted to pay what I wanted for it, that's fine. I love the truck. <laughs> you know, but if somebody wanted to pay me what I wanted or trade me something that I deemed worthy, then I was willing to make the deal. So I put it up. And uh, in the meantime, I, I was looking for everything under the sun, uh, mostly E bodies and B bodies. Um, you know, 70 to 71 challengers and Cudas, which Cudas are pretty much untouchable for me. I was looking at more like Barracudas, like Grand Coops and stuff. But everything was like 20 to 25, and that's for a full-blown project. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, I'd be getting rid of the running and driving Mr. Norm truck that I have a blast in, that I love, that's my dream truck, for a full-blown project. Am I out of my effing mind? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The answer is yes, I'm out of my mind. <laughs> um, By the way, folks, it's... You know, we're getting late into the night on Sunday night, and I, I had to get this podcast out. I've been thinking about how I could word <laughs> what uh, what has become the podcast about me letting go of the Mr. Norm truck. And it, it got to the point where I just hit record and I said, let's do this. <laughs> so I put it up, and I started getting some offers. The first offer I got for the truck, well, yeah, I guess I can say the first offer, but I got some inquiries for at first people asking me you know what my bottom dollar was you know the typical typical stuff and the first trade offer I got was amazing there's a gentleman named Pete he's local to me which was nice I was really worried about having to deal with out-of-state buyers and we'll tell this in a little bit I, I actually had an out-of-country buyer that wanted to do a trade that didn't end up panning out. Um, but the first trade deal I got was from a local guy named Pete. And he sent me pictures of an absolutely gorgeous 72 Plymouth Roadrunner. It was tawny gold, which normally tawny gold is not a color that I would jump <laughs> uh, for. You know what I mean? Tawny gold really did nothing for me until I saw it on this particular car. And as it turns out, Pete is a lifelong auto body and paint guy. He actually owns his own business in the city that I work in, which I think is really cool. Um, local guy's whole life. 
and uh, pretty well known in the local Mopar community for the cars he owns. Um, he's got a badass 71 Charger RT drag car. It's got a 500 cubic inch big block. It's blown. It's ran nine seconds in the quarter mile <laughs> with throttle sticking and not being able to leave at full throttle. Um, or excuse me, not being able to leave in first gear. He left at second gear and still pulled a nine second time slip. And this thing's got over 1100 horsepower, over 1100 pound feet of torque. It's got a parachute on the back, wheelie bars, giant blower sticking out of the hood. So it's a blown 500 inch big block with four digit horsepower and certified for like seven fifties or something like that. And it is definitely an eight second car. Um, you know, with, an experienced wheel man. And, you know, if Pete had some more seat time and got the car dialed in, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that car would run eight seconds. It's just, uh, it's an amazing car. He's actually selling it. Uh, he's got over a hundred G's invested in that. That's a hundred thousand plus dollars in that car. And he's selling it for 50,000. <laughs> he actually asked for my help, but anyway, back to the story. So he sends me this picture or a couple pictures of the 72 Plymouth Roadrunner in tawny gold. And as it turns out, with Pete being a paint and body guy, he actually threw a little bit of extra pearl in the color for the exterior so that when the sun hits it, it gives it just a little oomph. You know what I'm saying? It it made it pop in the sun to the point where I was like, oh, damn, that looks good. And I knew immediately it was tawny gold. And I was just like, I've never seen tawny gold like that. But I didn't even think he put anything in it. I just It looked like a fresh paint job. And as the story goes... He's dealing with some uh, personal issues um, relating to his health. And this car has gone through all the paint and body work, <laughs> you know, because he's a paint and body guy. So it's basically a car that needs to be assembled. But all the paint and body work, all the metal work, all that is done. And this car is cherry and solid. He bought it on eBay and uh, impulsively, you know, so we have that in common. Um, buys the car on eBay, wants to restore it, starts doing his own thing, um, gets it through paint and body, throws a set of actually the same wheels that I have on my boogie van on the shit box. He's got, uh, the U S mags polished slots and, uh, it's got air shocks in the back. So it's got that stance that I love. And I know a lot of people don't like that. You know, oh, that we did that in the 70s and 80s, blah, blah, blah. I love day two muscle cars, okay? I love them jacked up in the back and face down. <laughs> you know, stink bug, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, I, I love raked out muscle cars. And he sends me this picture, and I'm like, oh, man, that thing is beautiful. But it needs assembly. So in talking with him, he tells me that he has all the parts to put this car back together. The parts are either new or in good, original, usable condition. And, you know, of course, I'm I'm looking at this like, okay, this car looks beautiful. And knowing the little that I know, I know to get a car in, you know, through metal work, body work, and then to have a, you know, what I deem to be a show quality paint job, um, you know, that's a lot of money. More money than I can spend right now. If I had that same car, you know, more money than I would be able to put into it to get it to the stage that it's in. And he wanted to trade me. I thought for sure he was going to want money on top. And at that point, I would have just had to cut it loose and say, sorry, man, I, I got no cash on top. I'm just trying to see what I can get for this car and if it's going to be worth it for, you, for me. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, I was after a 70 Roadrunner to build a Superbird tribute. And then this car fell right in my lap. And I've always liked the fuselage cars. Um, I may have talked about this on the podcast. My dad had a big book of muscle cars. And one of the cars in there that really spoke to me was a 71 Roadrunner. It was in violet. And it had the Halloween interior, had the black and orange interior. And I thought that car was so cool. I'd never seen a car with orange interior before. So I thought it was amazing. And the body style, there's just something about those cars. Out of all, aside from the Superbird, in my opinion, the 71 and 72 Roadrunners and satellites, they, and the GTX, obviously, <laughs> um, that chrome bumper that wraps around the front end, it just looks like a beak to me. <laughs> so, like, if you're going to call a car a Roadrunner, it better look like a damn bird. <laughs> you know what I mean? And aside from the Superbird, um, it, it comes pretty close. I've always loved the front ends of those cars. So, I find out that the cars, a 72 Roadrunner, 340, pistol grip four-speed car, originally, um that it has a build sheet, a fender tag. It does not have the original uh, 340. It's a warranty block, but it's dated within spec. If somebody had blown up the car back in 72 or 73, then the block is like, I think, it, I think Pete told me it was like a couple months after the build date of the car. So it made sense. And it's like the closest thing you could get <laughs> to, you know, obviously it's not numbers matching, but it's the next best thing, a warranty block that was manufactured after the car. So in doing a little bit of research, I'm like, okay, you know, it's how often do you see that? You know, how often do you see 72 Roadrunners, the 344 speed cars in Tawny Gold? With that, it's not even a black interior. It is a bucket seat car. It's it's the like uh, like the light gold. I forget what it's called, but um, definitely a color combination that I wouldn't have picked myself. But uh, I did some research and I was looking around and I found a GTX with the same color combination. And I was looking at it and I was like, that's kind of classy. I kind of like that, and it surprised me. So I'm kicking around this idea of of possibly trading Pete. And I started getting some more offers. I got an offer for a 69 satellite that was converted to, or uh, basically it was a, it was a Roadrunner clone and a pretty solid car. Um, not as high quality of a restoration job, in my opinion, as the 72 Roadrunner, but pretty good. Um, if I had to put a value on that card, probably value at about 18,000. Um, it's very clean, fully rebuilt, 383. Um, and that's me being cheap. It's probably more like a $20,000 car. It looked to be well done, but I didn't get a chance to see it in person, so I couldn't check the bodywork. I couldn't really see, you know, how straight it was. But uh, I, I would estimate, you know, 18 to 25 for that car. So, I mean, that's a solid that's a solid trade deal, you know, for the Mr. Norm truck. But it wasn't exactly what I wanted. It, it didn't have that monetary value. And when I looked at it, it didn't move me. And I was kind of in denial about the 72 when I first saw it. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, damn, that car is gorgeous. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of in denial because I was like, does that really move me like the Mr. Norm truck? And I kept going back to it. 
and looking at it and and seeing it, you know, with the wheel and tire set up because it's a roller. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more I fell in love with it. You know, I guess that's the sickness of a car guy. And uh, I was like, wow, that's that's a unique looking car. Because there's no chrome on the front, no chrome on the back. It's uh, all the bumpers have been painted. And it just looks tough. It, it's got the right stance for me. The color actually turned, uh, like I said, I wouldn't have picked it myself. But after seeing it on the car, I was like, wow, it looks really, really good on this car. It really does. It's beautiful. And uh, so it's, I'm still kicking it around in my head. And I keep going back to it going, God, that car is awesome. A real pistol grip four-speed car. For me, that's, you know, people talk about holy grail stuff. Uh, a Mopar with a pistol grip. A real muscle car. A real muscle Mopar with a pistol grip is one of my holy grails. You know, a, super, a Hemi Superbird with a pistol grip. My God, <laughs> I would give one of my testicles for it. <laughs> like, I'm not even trying to be funny. That's the absolute truth. Like, I already got a kid. I don't need this thing. <laughs> but uh, so I get another trade offer from a guy in Norway. He's got a uh, Coronet RT uh, 68. And uh, it's red. It's a very nice looking driver quality car. But he's in Norway. And, I, and he wanted to trade, and I'm just like, man, overseas trade, that just does not sound appealing to me at all. And I looked at that car, and it was nice. Um, did not move me. Did not move me. And like I said, I was kind of in denial about how much that Roadrunner was moving me, because I really wanted a 70 to clone my Superbird. And every time I looked at that car... My initial thought was, okay, it needs to be assembled. Could I assemble it? How much is that car worth assembled? Or even in its current project state, how much could I, uh, if I did the trade, how much could I just turn around and flip it for? And th this is goes back to the disease. That was, that was on my mind, but the disease kicked in. And I said, God, I would love to put that car together and cruise it. And I started thinking, because, you know, for the Mr. Norm truck, if it was me, and just my decision, I would have no problem sticking my three-year-old in that truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? In her car seat. My wife, she questions the safety of that. So that's a whole different topic. So we've always argued about that because I wanted to take my daughter cruising on the street and go to shows and stuff. So the only show I was ever, excuse me, ever able to get her in the truck and drive around was at the good guys show. And when I'm looking at this 72 Roadrunner, I'm going, this is putting this thing together. I can take my family cruising comfortably. So that was a factor. The other factor was all the hardest stuff that I don't have the skills for or the money for has been done. The metal work, the body work, the paint work, and it also has a fully rebuilt 340 built by a very well-known local engine builder who actually... <laughs> As funny as this is, the guy who built the 340 for the 72 Roadrunner is the same guy who built Tracy Groom's Dart. Um, you've probably seen it. It's F8 Greens Pro Street Dart. Uh, it's blown. It's on alcohol now, I believe, uh, with a wing in the back and a chute. It's a nine-second dart, or it was a nine-second dart. It's probably faster now. But um, I've seen it. Uh, it's like a cover car or something, for, or a feature car. 
in like Mopar Muscle Magazine or something like that. But I've seen the car locally. And when I had my dart, I always looked at that one like, oh, mine will never be that. <laughs> but uh, Tracy Grooms is the guy who bought my dart because it was the same color as his. And he wanted his grandson to have the same color dart. Eventually, the car ended up turning around and getting sold from what I saw because I saw it on like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, one of those places I saw it for sale. But uh, the guy who built the engine for the three uh, uh, built the 340 for the 72 Roadrunner also built Tracy's engine for his dart. And I sold him my dart. So it, it's just a weird coincidence. But um, the 340 has been completely rebuilt. It was uh, dynoed at 380 horsepower um, on an engine dyno. Uh, so it's got a fresh 340 in it. Like I said, all the parts are either brand new or in good usable condition. If you look at any of the pictures that I've posted on social media, you'll see that the dash is cracked in this thing that like the dash pad and it looks really bad. He's got a brand new dash pad for this thing that is legit. It's not like a, what is it? ABS plastic or whatever. I know that they repop them. And uh, they're good quality repops, but it's not like the real leather. This thing is plush. And I was like, wow. So he's got, you know, headliner. He's got he's got everything for it. Um, I asked him what it what it needed. And he said, aside from assembly, it needs seat covers. <laughs> I was like, he goes, that's the most expensive thing left to buy for this car. And uh, so I start running in my head. I'm like, okay, 72 Roadrunner. That's badass. 72 Roadrunner, 340 four speed, badass. One of 329 344 speed Roadrunners produced in 1972 in Tawny Gold with the lighter gold interior. Bucket seat car, the pistol grip, the fact that all the bodywork, paint, metal, <laughs> and the engine have been done. All I have to do is throw this car together. So I started, you know, damn me, <laughs> I started falling in love with the car before I'd even seen it. And I knew, I knew I was done. <laughs> I knew I was done. Oh, one of the, uh, I also got a guy reaching out to me about possibly trading his little red express for the truck. Um, that never panned out, although I did see a picture of it and I probably would have traded him <laughs> for that little red express um, if he had been serious about the trade. But uh, it never, it never, um, Amounted to anything, so I didn't even think anything of it. Couple cash offers, 10, 15. Um, one guy was pretty adamant about the truck, asked me if he flew out, if he could drive it 1,700 miles home, if, he, if I thought he could make it. And I was like, I can't guarantee that, dude. I'm sorry. Um, I've driven it maybe 250 miles for a trip. That's it. So I, I couldn't guarantee him making it all the way. And I I, I specifically said, hey, man, I, I can't guarantee that. And if I was you and you tried it, I would definitely have some sort of transportation lined up just in case. Um, never heard back from him. A lot, I, a lot of the people never got back to me after, you know, on Facebook Marketplace. It's like, hey, do you still have the car? And you say, yes, I still have it. And then it's like nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they accidentally asked the question <laughs> but uh, by hitting the buttons. But um, keep going back to the 72. I consulted everybody I know whose opinion truly matters when it comes to Mopars. And they know me well enough to go, okay. <laughs> you know, and I had some people trying to talk me out of it. You know, they're going, Chris, 
out of all the Mopars you've had, how many have you put together successfully and gotten on the road? And I can't sit here and bullshit you. <laughs> the only one I got, yeah, none. You can say none. Um, the dart was a lost cause. I had $10,000 into it and it was still a shell. So I hawked that. I hawked my blue truck because I was being a wuss. I put a new uh, wiring harness in it and I got the front end wired. So I got it basically everything wired to the cab, but I was not confident in my job. <laughs> and as it turns out, the guy who bought it from me, William or Will, he uh, only had one issue. One of my one of my crimps was not good. He fixed it. Truck fired right up after he rewired the back. So I was like, wow, that's a win. <laughs> you know, I did something right. But uh, that truck needed a lot of fabrication work. And I got a quote for like three or four thousand just to fix the rear end on it and the three link setup. And it was a low rider, you know, it was on airbag suspension. It was a cool truck, but it just wasn't my style. You know, not, I wanted a muscle truck, you know, and that, that ended up, uh, the sale of the dart and that truck led me to having the cash for Mr. Norm, um, on top of some other money I had. So back to the story, um, Pete seemed pretty adamant that he wanted me to bring the truck over so he could see it, drive it. And, uh, Part of me wanted to still hold out because like I said, the whole point was to work my way to a Superbird. And as I started talking to a few people, you know, people that are close to me and people whose opinions, like I said, matter when it comes to Mopars because they're in the game. You know, I have a lot of friends that aren't into Mopars and they have opinions. And while while they're valid, everybody's, you know, that's reached out to me um, has a valid opinion. And I did not take any of them lightly. You know, I ran the scenarios in my head. If I get this car, what if I what if I do get in over my head with another car? What would I do? And I thought I could always sell it. You know, and I and at this point I hadn't even seen the car yet. So I don't even know the quality of the work cuz at the time I didn't know that Pete owned a body shop. <laughs> you know, for all I knew, he was just a guy with some money that had the work done and who knows how much mud was underneath the paint or whatever, you know, but I, I've seen pictures of his, I've seen, uh, the 71 drag car, the charge RT. I've seen that thing at the Sunbust show in Graham, Washington. And the thing's gorgeous. And I was like, if that car is any indication of the type of cars that this guy owns, cause he also had a picture with the 69 Daytona, <laughs> you know, it, I was like, all right, well, the guy's serious, you know, he's got some nice cars. And, and you don't get a collection like that, that I've, I haven't met anybody like that. Um, you don't get a collection like that with uh, being a bunch of shit boxes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure you get my drift. Um, the other thing was, I was like, man, I, I didn't misjudge Pete, but uh, the thought in my head was, this guy's got money, and I feel like I'm going to get burned in this deal at, at first, at the very first inclination. I'm like, why would he want to get rid of that car for this truck? And then as I got to know him and speak with him a little bit over text, um, I was like, you know, this guy seems, this guy, this guy seems above board. He seems legit. Cause I've never met Pete, but like I said, he's known pretty well locally and even on the internet. So we come up with uh, a day to meet and <laughs> Here's another part of the story. So my uncle 
has cancer and he was going in for surgery and he called me because my truck has been stored up at his house and he requested to move it to a safer spot because he wasn't going to be home. Um, my uncle and aunt weren't going to be home for like a week and they just wanted to make sure since nobody was going to be there that the truck was 100% safe. So I said, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate that, but do me a favor. <laughs> you have to be super careful because the thing is ridiculously low because it has a spoiler on the front. It has a front spoiler that was trimmed to fit. It was originally for a boogie van. Um, so it's got this really cool front spoiler. It says Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge on it. It's got some nice, nice lettering. And uh, I was like, you got to be careful. And he kind of, I wish I had the conversation recorded because he kind of blew me off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Come to find out. He breaks the spoiler off the truck, rips it right off and uh, doesn't tell me about it, <laughs> which really pisses me off. But that's a different story. So he doesn't tell me about it. My dad ends up telling me about it because he goes over there and sees the spoiler in the bed of the truck. And then he asks me on Father's Day, hey, is there something wrong with the spoiler of your truck? No, dad, why? <laughs> so my uncle ripped it off and it really, really left a sour taste in my mouth. I got to be honest, I was not happy, especially with the fact that he didn't call me to tell me. You know, just let me know. I'd I'd be less of an asshole if you were like, hey, Chris, man, fuck, I am so sorry, but I damaged your truck. I damaged your prized possession. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, that was my mistake. I should have never had it up there. I should have just got my shit together at home and kept it in the garage where it belonged. But that's, that's also another story. So, the truck, there was something, there was something about the spoiler breaking off of it that really just, it, it took a little bit of my soul. <laughs> you know, as dumb as that sounds. But uh, I just, I don't know. Something in my heart said, put it up and see what happens. If nobody gives you the right amount of cash or the right trade, then who cares? You still have the truck. You're going to have to fix that messed up spoiler. <laughs> but you still got the truck. So I keep, looking at that damn Roadrunner. And every time I look at it, I fall in love a little bit more. Now, if you know me, you know that I, I've, you know, when it comes to Mopar projects, man, I'm like the worst. <laughs> if it doesn't have some action soon, you know, within a few years, it's gone. You know, clearly my track record says that. And I'm not a flipper, really. But the initial idea was to flip the 72 Roadrunner. But I'm letting the emotions get to me again. And I'm looking at it like, man, that would be a cool cruiser. And then the idea hit me and I said, uh, I am in no position, like I said earlier, to get a vehicle into that state, into the assembly stage. And I thought, how long is it going to be before I get to experience assembling a Mopar like that? You know, after the paint body work's already been complete. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, it's going to be a long, long time. So then it hit me. I was like, well, this, this car would be perfect because then I would get that opportunity. And, you know, being a content creator, I was like, man, that would make some great content. Because a lot of the content you see are guys that, you know, pull vehicles out of barns, fields, you know, the will it run stuff, which is all cool. I love it. But uh, 
I've never really found myself following a whole journey on YouTube. But it would be interesting to create content from the point of body, paint, engine, all that's been done. Now we're just putting the little pieces together to create the rest of the car. We're assembling the car. That to me sounds like a lot of fun. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? I get the car and I have to sell it. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, okay, Chris, be realistic. What would you expect to pay for that car with all the parts and what the car is? One of 329, 344 speeds with a pistol grip. So, you know, and I keep saying pistol grip just because I, I wanted a car that had a four speed and pistol grip for so long. Um, and I'm trying not to let my emotions get the best of me. So I'm really trying to think this out. And it got to the point where I was like, yes, pull the trigger. Because if I have to back out of the deal, if I was to buy that car myself, if I had the cash and I saw it for sale, I'd probably pay 30 grand for it just because I know the paint and bodywork's been done. And, you know, it supposedly has, you know, and I, I'm not saying Pete's a liar by any means at all. What I'm saying is I, I don't have receipts or anything. I'm going on Pete's word. Pete tells me it's $30,000 worth of paint and bodywork and metalwork and stuff. Not to mention almost $12,000 in having the engine done and dynoed. So I'm thinking of that money, you know, that there's no cash involved there for me. <laughs> you know, that's already done. I'm assembling the car, which is an experience that I may never get to have unless I take this deal. If he even takes it, he hasn't seen the truck yet. So I go up to my uncle's place, get the truck, fires right up. Sweet. And this truck, you know, it's a solid truck. If I had to buy it all over again for $26,000, because that's how much I had in the pocket, I, I would definitely do it all over again. I'd pay more than I paid for it. I, like I said, I'd be more than willing to pay $26,000 for that truck because I love it so much. So I'm getting inundated because I posted about it. I said, here's one of the trade offers. <laughs> I posted on my personal Facebook page. And so many people were telling me, don't do it. You'll regret it. You'll regret it. You'll regret it. And I started thinking about it. I was like, man, I regret getting my, rid of my dart. I regret getting rid of the blue truck. But what I regret most is that I'm not in a position financially to not have to get rid of anything. <laughs> you know, I don't have enough space. I don't have enough money to handle all these projects at once. Uh, so, you know, what's a guy to do? <laughs> I, uh, I really did take all of the suggestions that I was seeing seriously, but when the word regret kept getting brought up, I kept running the scenario in my head. Okay. The Mr. Norm truck is gone and you have this project and you're super overwhelmed. Do you go, man, I should have never got rid of the truck. I should have kept my dream truck and never taken on this giant project. What am I doing? And the answer that I kept coming to was no, because there's a couple scenarios. I get in over my head and I decide to back out of the car and sell it. I will probably get more for that car with all those parts and for what the car is and the, and the work that's already been done. I'd probably get more for that car than I would for the Mr. Norm truck if I was to sell it outright for cash. So that was one positive. The other positive was, like I said earlier, the content possibilities of assembling a car and learning something that I never thought I would get a chance to learn anytime soon. So that's big. Um, 
And then I'm like, would you regret getting rid of the Mr. Norm truck? Cause that's your dream truck. And the answer I kept coming to was no, because I I've had my dream truck. I've had my fun with it. You know, the story between me, like my, my story, this chapter in my Mopar story is the Mr. Norm chapter. And it's pretty much done. It's time to turn the page. It's time to start a new chapter. And, uh, you know, I was okay with that as long as the truck went to a good home. And like, I, I didn't know Pete. I just seen a couple of his vehicles and I'm pretty sure I've heard his name around, but I, I hear so many names about local guys that they kind of just go over my head sometimes. So I'm like, all right, I go get the truck from my uncle's place. Um, I have a blast driving it. <laughs> God, I do love that truck. It's fun. You get a lot of attention and it's just a cool truck, man. It is a badass truck. So I'm driving and I'm going, God, man, maybe I shouldn't get rid of it. <laughs> of course, right? Um, and I'm kicking myself for having it in storage for so long. And I get it home, looking at it. And my dad went with me. And uh, I'm like, man, dad, I don't know if I can get rid of this truck. I kind of love it. But I've always loved it, even when I didn't own it. It's a badass truck. And then the thought came into my head. All right. All right, Mr. Dream Truck. If I had to build another truck, you know, if something, if some disaster happened to Mr. Norman, I lost it, like I almost did, you know, with the wiring. If I lost the truck, would I build another replica of the Mr. Norm truck? And the answer was no. If I parted ways, no matter how I parted ways with the Mr. Norm truck, if I had to do a truck myself, I would build a talking Mopars tribute truck, you know, shop truck style. Because um, one thing that was, uh, I love talking to people about the Mr. Norm truck, but the one thing that always bothered me was that I didn't build it. It was somebody else's vision, and I adopted it. And that's fine. You know, Murray, you know, bless his heart, he, he was very encouraging about me owning Mr. Norm and saying, Hey, man, that truck is you, you know, saying a bunch of nice stuff. And I appreciate Murray for doing that. Um, but the thing is, is no matter how much you say that, I will still always have to give attribution to Murray for the great job that he did with the truck. And it's not that that, you know, it's not that it pissed me off when I had to admit that because I have no problem saying that Murray built the truck and Murray was the brain behind the operation. You know what I mean? Um, but uh After reading everybody's posts, I always came back to myself. And I thought I would be influenced, but I really wasn't. Because at the end of the day, that Roadrunner did move me emotionally. Because it's just beautiful. It's a gorgeous car. And I know that I won't anytime soon be able to get a car that is in that condition. I mean, it's flat out the nicest Mopar I could ever dream of owning at this point. You know, even though it's not assembled. Uh, we can sit here and talk about that. <laughs> it's not assembled. I'm going to have to, and, and I thought about this too before I ever made the deal. I was like, okay, Chris, you get this car. This is the biggest project you've ever taken on. You know, um, I could I could compare it to the Dart because the Dart was a shell, but I wasn't trying to put it all the way back together. I was going to build it haphazardly. And I, I that sounds bad. I was going to build it my way, a little street race car. Nothing crazy. I didn't care about a crazy awesome paint job or anything like that because I couldn't afford it. And I knew that 
That's why I'm a ratty muscle car guy, because I can't afford nice stuff. Because if you ask me, Chris, would you rather have a really nice Mopar or a ratty Mopar? I'd probably tell you a ratty Mopar, because in my head, I'm so hung up on the cost that, you know, you can have fun with a shitbox, right? So I've been presented with this unique opportunity to get a car that will be and is now the nicest car I could ever imagine owning at this point in my life. With the potential, if I had to, or if I came to the decision that I wanted to, I could sell it and get the money that I would have wanted out of Mr. Norm. Now, a lot of people are going, well, what about the 70 Roadrunner Superbird clone? Why would you get a 72? You know, that's not, you can't clone that into a Superbird. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Um, like I said, the car moved me emotionally. Uh, I'm fully expecting to bond with that car when I put it together. And when I fire it up and I get to drive it down the road for the first time going, wow, I, you know, I got this car is basically a rolling shell, you know, with the engine already installed. But when I say engine already installed, the engine is just dropped in it. <laughs> there is so much work to do to put that car together. And I know that, you know, for those of you going, oh, he's going to get it in over his head. I've, hey, please root against me. <laughs> You know, I, I wouldn't bet on myself, but this is also an opportunity for me to prove to myself that I can take on a project like this and do it. And who knows, six months down the line, you might, you guys might be going, I knew it. I knew he wouldn't last. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to give it my best shot. And if I have to throw in the tower, the tower, if I have to throw in the tower, if I have to throw in the towel, you guys will be the first to know. Guys, I failed again. <laughs> But uh, I have no intentions of failing because I was thinking about it and I was like, my daughter's three. You know, depending on how long it takes me to put this car together, because I did, I, I sat down with myself and I said, all right, look, you get this car. We're not doing this, you know, writing out the plan on cardboard shit. <laughs> I have to develop a plan and be organized and execute that plan if this car is to ever get finished while it's in my ownership. So, um, to make a long story short, what are we going on an hour now? Oh boy. <laughs> so I meet Pete, super cool guy. He's got an amazing collection of cars. We'll just rattle them off real quick. He's got a new wide body Hellcat. He's got a 71 charger RT with a modern Hemi in it that has one of the coolest air cleaner, um, air grabber, or excuse me, Ram charger hoods I've ever seen. The way this air induction system is set up is amazing, and he built it himself. So, Pete, if you ever listen to this, that's the coolest modern Hemi air intake I've ever seen, and it should be manufactured because I think uh, I think it would sell a lot. Anyways, beautiful car. Um, he's got a 68 Charger Resto Mod that is probably one of the coolest Resto Mods I've ever seen. It's on Air Ride. Um, I believe they're giant torque thrust wheels. Um, tall pistol grip in it, modern gauges, modern interior, very, be and I'm not the biggest resto mod guy. That thing is gorgeous. I, I would not kick that out of, out of my garage. That 68 charger is amazing. Um, he's also got a right hand of all things. He's got a right hand drive Toyota Supra, which I thought was interesting. Um, Hey, whatever floats your boat. I guess he likes Toyotas too, but he's definitely a hardcore muscle guy. Um, he's got the other 71 RT drag car that we were talking about, 1100 horsepower, 1100 torque, nine seconds, probably capable of eights. He's got that. He's got a 70, a red 70 
Challenger convertible. I believe it is a RT tribute. I don't think it's a real RT car. Um, then he's got, uh, <laughs> he's got a 69 Charger Daytona. And when I went over there, I saw the wing car in the garage and I saw what would become my car, the Roadrunner, next to the 69 Charger Daytona. And I thought to myself, isn't that serendipitous that my intentions of getting rid of the Mr. Norm truck were to lead me to a wing car? And that was always the thought in my head. And here I am. And I kind of was led to a wing car. <laughs> I didn't get the wing car, obviously. Uh, Pete, here's a cool backstory. Pete has owned that Charger Daytona. He restored it himself for one. He got it as a pile of shit back in high school for $1,000. He's had it ever since. He'll never get rid of it. It's his son's birthright, which is amazing. I hope his son appreciates that car. I imagine he does. Um, <laughs> and then there's the Roadrunner next to it. And I'm just like, man. Man, oh man. I want that car. I looked at the Daytona and I was blown away just because anytime I see a wing car, there's just something about them, you know, something about a big old wing and a big old nose cone. I love those cars. I'm infatuated with them. Um, and then next to that is the car that I would end up trading. And I, I looked at it and I immediately, I immediately knew when I laid eyes on it in person that I wanted it. It is gorgeous. The work done to it is amazing. Like I said, I could never financially have a car like that right now. If it wasn't for this opportunity that Pete has given me. Because Pete and I discussed it. The trade deal is in way in my favor. You know, there's no doubt about that. But Pete's a guy like me. If he wants something, he will get it. <laughs> And he liked the Mr. Norm truck. And I don't blame him. The truck is badass. Do you know how many people reached out to me and said, man, if I had the money, dude. And a lot of people were saying, don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. And I'm like, yeah, don't get rid of it if I was you. I was like, I've had my fun with the truck. And I, to be honest, I thought it was going to be my forever truck. I thought I would always have that in my collection. But at the end of the day, I had to think about this. Take the Mr. Norm Tribute truck and then take my vision of the Talking Mopars Tribute truck. Which one would I rather have more? If the vision in my head of a Talking Mopars Tribute truck, if that ever comes to fruition, and this is the scenario I put myself in, if I put those two trucks side by side, would I take the Mr. Norm truck over my own Mopar or my own Talking Mopars Tribute truck? The answer was no. I would 100% take the truck that I built over that one. So that was the nail in the coffin for the Mr. Norm truck in my possession and my ownership. My story with Mr. Norm, the Grand Spaulding Dodge tribute truck is now over. And we did the trade. Um, Pete took the truck. Uh, we took it for a spin and had a great time. You know, Pete's a really cool guy. I love meeting Mopar guys that are on the level, you know, that are cool, down to earth, easy to talk to, have a sense of humor. And they look at these vehicles for what they are. Awesome cars. 
the whole time I was sitting there, I, I was like, how am I going to ask this guy to sit in his, I didn't want to sound like a tool. You know what I mean? But I'm looking at that Daytona and I'm like, there's no better time than right now to just see if this guy would be willing to let you touch that car. <laughs> and I said, hey man, I got to ask, can I sit in it? And he let me sit in it. And I don't even know if I should tell the other part of the story. Let's just say that I may get a chance to be behind the wheel. And I actually was behind the wheel. <laughs> Car just didn't start. <laughs> um, that's that's a story for another time. Let's just say that my own personal make-a-wish almost happened. And it might happen. I might get a chance to be behind the wheel of one of my dream cars. Which would be, man, that would be amazing. I'll never forget just even sitting in that car. Uh, I made a post... <laughs> saying you never forget your first time. And what I meant by that, obviously, was you never forget your first time that you experienced a wing car. And I was so close. <laughs> if that car had fired up, I don't know. I don't know if Pete would have let me just pull it out of the shop or what, but whatever the case, even being behind the wheel and just giving it a little throttle, looking in the rearview mirror and seeing that wing, I, I was so happy sitting there. And then I looked over. And I saw that 72 Roadrunner and I realized that car may help me get to a wing car. And I kind of knew that, but it was just a realization at that moment where, I, like I said earlier, it was like serendipitous. I was like, this is destiny, I think, you know, at the risk of sounding corny. So we did the deal. I traded the Mr. Norm truck for a 72 340 four-speed Roadrunner. Build sheet, fender tag, one of 329 ever built with a gorgeous paint job. GY9 Tawny Gold with a little bit of extra pearl to help it pop in the sun. Beautiful car. And a new chapter has started. The last one has ended. So now Pete has the Mr. Norm Tribute truck, and Pete is excited about it. And I don't blame him. It's an awesome truck. He's already started working on it. <laughs> and uh, man, it, it makes me feel so good that that truck's going to a good home in a collection amongst some amazing Mopars. I told Pete, I was like, I have to someday come over and get a picture of the Mr. Norm truck next to the Daytona. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that would be cool. But for those of you wondering if I have any regret, no. The only regret I can really think of that's a serious regret is the idea that I had put it up jokingly for sale or trade. Because somebody could have offered me, you know, another trade and caught me at the wrong time. And I would have fucking said yes to a car that I really didn't want. But this situation's different. I am so excited about the 72 roadrunner and you know unfortunately now now i'm like I, I don't need the 73 i don't need the dumpster fire because i'm not going to sykeston for the no-name nationals which is sad but that's okay maybe there will be a next time and for for the record i hope anyone anybody going to and this this podcast just so you guys know i'm not editing any of this <laughs> this is just raw you're getting Chris, on a work night or a, the night before work day, on a Sunday night, you know, knocking on midnight's door, burning that, burning that midnight oil, 
you're getting the raw story. So no regrets on my end. With the exception of, you know, putting it up before and possibly not being put into this opportunity. And then, of course, the idea that I don't have enough money to just go, hey, Pete, how much do you want for the Roadrunner? I'll buy that car. I'm not going to trade you my truck. I'm going to keep the truck, too. But I'm in a position where I don't have that much room <laughs> or that kind of money. So, Pete, if you ever listen to this, uh, if you ever get the inclination to sell the truck, I hope I get a crack at it. And uh, if I don't, that's cool, too. I probably won't be able to afford it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Watch him put it up for sale. And I'm like, damn, I can't even buy it back. <laughs> I'm so knee deep in the 72 Roadrunner. But once I let it go, I realized that the next journey in my Tin Girl adventure, unless I have a bunch of money to throw away and the truck goes up for sale and I can get it back, that would be a hell of a story. You know, the I, I've said it before, the ones that get away and then you end up getting them back, that's always an amazing story. So maybe that happens. Or maybe I build this 72, have a lot of fun with it. Maybe I fall so much in love with it that a wing car doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I highly doubt that'll happen. <laughs> but... I'm thinking, uh, build the car, enjoy it, involve my daughter so that she can say that she helped her dad build, and she's only three, so we got time, <laughs> helped me build an awesome muscle car. You know, that would be very special for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I, as I'm sitting here talking to you guys, I, I, I have a vision of the Mr. Norm truck in my head. And a vision of the Roadrunner. And if if Mr. Norm had a, a... If that truck had a hand I could shake. I'd shake and go, it was a great time, man. It was fun. I'll never forget it. <laughs> that truck is awesome. But... Onward and upward, dude. I've got, I've got a goal. And that goal is a wing car. And I will not stop. Until I get one. If the 72 Roadrunner gets me one step closer, that's fine. If I use it in the interim until I get a Superbird and I just have a fun Roadrunner, that's cool. Never in my life <laughs> did I think I'd be able to go, wow, I have I have two Roadrunners right now, a 72 and a 73. That's the last thing I would have ever thought. I own two Roadrunners. What the f am I doing? <laughs> so the dumpster fire is for sale. If anybody wants it, I'll give you a good deal. I've got it up for six right now. It's got no title. I'll sell it to you on a bill of sale. Um, a lot of people have been asking me about that. I'm not trying to get a, I mean, six grand's a lot of money. I, hit me with an offer, man. <laughs> That's what I put. A, and I'm not firm on that price. If you want to give me six grand for it, I'll take six grand for it. But um, I just need a, a little cushion, <laughs> a little financial cushion because uh, my uncle's got a, not the uncle that ruined my spoiler. <laughs> uh, one of my other uncles is uh, selling his car trailer, and I want to buy it. So um, I'll need money for that and then uh, the interior kit. Um, so the plan now, Pete was gracious enough to let me keep the... Uh, <laughs> it was funny when, <laughs> when we were making the deal, and it was done. And he before we shook hands or anything or had any paperwork involved... He just looked at me and said, how are you getting home? <laughs> I thought that was funny. And I was like, I, th I think you're giving me a ride, dude, if you don't mind. So I got to ride in the Hellcat. Um, that was cool. But uh, yeah, deal's done. 
So, I now own a 72 Roadrunner, and I do not own the Mr. Norm Tribute Truck anymore. But, like I said, it was fun, and I will never forget it. The feeling I had when I got in that truck for the first time and thought, my God, I got it. I got the truck. Man, I can't explain that feeling. It's one I'll never forget. But I still didn't have a problem letting the truck go. Not for this deal. The other ones I would have I would have regretted. For a 69 satellite cloned into a Roadrunner, I would have regretted that. Could you imagine I take that deal and then Pete reaches out to me like, hey, do you still got the truck? I got this car. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's when you kick yourself. That's why I swore to myself that I, there goes my phone again. That's why I swore to myself I would not let the truck go unless it was worth it for me. And I knew that I would have to sit there and think about it. You know, and if I look at this whole situation that happened, I definitely impulsively took the deal. But I followed my heart. And my heart said, get the car, dude. Your time with Mr. Norm is done. And I... I was joking for a while and I said, you know what? I hope nobody gives me a, a, a worthy trade or a, a stack of cash because then I get to keep the truck <laughs> and it's not a problem. I'm just going to have to get my hustle on and uh, try to get myself a 70 Roadrunner. But those prices are getting out there, man. They're getting hard to, they're getting hard to uh, attain for a guy like me. So Pete... You know, thank you. If you ever listen to this podcast, thank you, dude. You gave me an opportunity to have a car that I could never touch financially. At least now. <laughs> Maybe when I retire and cash in my 401k or something. But, um, you know, you gave me an opportunity. And I, I really don't want to let Pete down. You know, he wanted the car to go to someone who would love it and uh, build it. So I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to give it the old college try. <laughs> and we'll see if I fail. Or we'll see if I succeed. All I know is that you will be with me to join in on the progress because it will get its own playlist on YouTube. I will be posting videos on Facebook. You know how I do. I'm going to document it. And uh, I plan on this being the most documented vehicle along with my boogie van. Um, but car, as far as muscle car, this will be the most documented car I've ever had. Because um, with the Mr. Norm truck, there wasn't much left to do on it. You know, hemi-swap it, maybe upgrade the suspension, but... You know, maybe clear coat it, which Pete, I believe, is going to do to preserve the Mr. Norm lettering, which is awesome. I'm 100% on board. And Pete also gave me visitation rights. I can go over when he's not busy and, and check out his collection, talk Mopars with him, and see the old truck. <laughs> uh, so that's fun. Uh, maybe maybe I can convince him to just let me pull the Daytona out of the garage. <laughs> you know, I'm not expecting more than that. Let me just pull it out of the shop. Let me just pull the Daytona out into the sun. <laughs> no, Pete's a great guy. I'm so happy that the truck went to him. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better guy to take over the legacy of the Mr. Norm Tribute truck. And it's funny because he's really not an attention-seeking guy. <laughs> and considering the Mopars he owns, that's funny to me. But he's like, look, I'm not a, I'm not a picture guy. I'm not going to be posting a bunch about the truck. He goes, I'm just, he's not that guy. And I respect that. So I would go, I would feel comfortable in saying that the Mr. Norm truck is retired from publicity stunts. <laughs> what a fun truck and what a fun show. Thank you for joining me. I hope you guys understand 
why I did what I did. And if you think I'm crazy, I I don't know what to tell you. I guess I, I am crazy. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because I, for those of you that don't know, I really love old vintage car magazines. And I, I take out the ads and I frame them. And I've had a lot of uh, framed ads in my office here for a long time. And above my desk, let's see here, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. So, so there's 22, eight and a half by 11 ads above my head right now on the wall. And one, two, three of them feature Roadrunners. <laughs> that one is a 72. That one, I believe, is a 71, and that one is a 71. So I have one ad that's literally above. <laughs> wow. It's crazy how it's crazy how these things work. I mean, I've had these fuselage cars staring me at the in the face while I sit here and do this podcast, and I never thought I would really own one this quick, or that I'd own one at all, or that I'd own one that's that cool. Man, I am stoked. I have a 72 Roadrunner now with a 340 and a pistol grip four-speed. I couldn't have asked for a better trade. So thank you for joining me on this Sunday night. You might be listening to this on Monday morning or something. I don't know. But uh, I'm just I'm just telling my little story. So I, I hope you guys understand. Like I said, I hope you understand why I did the trade. Um, I hope you're rooting for me. <laughs> you know, there's always somebody in the in the shadows, you know, praying for your downfall. And for those of you out there, if, if you're thinking that, like, I'm going to fail again. <laughs> uh, who knows? If I was a betting man, I'd probably be on your side. But this time, I, I want to do something different this time. And this time, you know, my daughter's involved. Because I really want to see if I can influence her in a positive way. But when I talk about bonding with my daughter, as far as Mopars go, I couldn't ask for a better scenario. You know, she's super young. She'll be able to hand me tools. And I can show her things like she wanted me tonight when I put her down. This is adorable because last night when I got home and, you know, I put her down to bed. Um, I said, you want to see daddy's new car? And she says, yeah. So I pull up my phone, pull out the roadrunner. She goes, oh, and I go, that's a roadrunner. And she goes, Mopar. And I say, I love you. <laughs> She's learning. And she goes, roadrunner. And the first time she said Roadrunner, she said non-runner, which I thought was <laughs> ironic. But um, tonight she goes, Daddy, Daddy. I go, what, sweetie? And she goes, pictures. And I go, pictures? And I go, of the car? And she goes, uh-huh. And I go, oh, you want to see pictures? I was like, I got something better for you. I got a little video. So we watched a little video together. And I was like, you want that to be your car? You want to help Daddy build that? Uh-huh. So I was like, awesome. That's awesome. And when I have friends that are female Mopar enthusiasts, and when I hear their stories about them building cars with their dads, um, I think about myself and my daughter, and I want to be that dad that involves his kid. You know what I mean? If she wants to, I'm not going to force her. But uh, she's been asking to go hang out with dad in the garage a lot lately, and that warms my heart, and that makes me super excited to get this car. So, you know, with that being said, 
you know, for those of you that have been following along this journey with the Mr. Norm truck, you know, thank you. But it's time for us to start a new chapter. And let's see, you know, give me a chance. Let's see what I can do with this 72 Plymouth Roadrunner. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next time right here on Talking Mopars. No Mopar left behind. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. If you want to help support the show, you can pick up some cool merchandise in the Talking Mopars merch shop. There you can order products like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. And you can find that at TalkingMopars.com in the merch shop. Another way to help support the show is by becoming a supporter on the Talking Mopars Facebook page. By becoming a supporter on Facebook, you will get access to exclusive bonus content, and you will be entered into our monthly supporter giveaway, where you will get a chance to win something fun related to Mopars. Special thanks to my friends over at DIY Hemi for their unwavering support of this podcast. If you are considering swapping a modern Hemi into your classic Mopar, go give my buddies at DIYHemi.com a shout and tell them I sent you. They'll be more than happy to help you out in their mission to Hemi-swap the world. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.